Hi, I'm Brendan Creed. I play hockey for GB and England men. And this is Talk Hockey Radio. Welcome to another Talk Hockey Radio special, supported by the Hockey Museum. Today we bring you a two-for-one special, as the greatest bromance in GB hockey joins us. Welcome to Phil Roper and Brendan Creed. How are we doing? Hello. All right, boys. Um, so it, it's great to have you guys joining us today, and obviously it, it's a bit of a, a weird time for everybody with what's going on with COVID and so on, and uh, the lack of international hockey. Um, how have you guys been coping with uh, the current lockdown situation? Do you want to go? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> I mean, we're pretty lucky that we obviously there's no matches, but we're still we're still getting to train um, like full time. So in a way, it's it's kind of like normal. It's definitely not normal for us, but it's definitely incredibly grateful that we get to leave the house every day with a bit of a purpose. Understand that not everyone is that lucky at the moment. So yeah, I'm I'm doing all right. Yeah, very similar to Phil. I think it's um to have a routine is still quite. a quite a big freedom almost in the fact that you, as he says like you leave the house with a purpose to go and train and kind of yeah we're still going about our daily life although not normal it's still quite nice to be able to see quite a lot of people which again a lot of people don't have that opportunity yeah for sure and, and obviously it's 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 probably in a way uh maybe sometimes a little bit claustrophobic being in the same group of people uh, every day and you're training intensely and seeing one another but on the other hand uh, we've heard on the sly about the xbox uh, group uh, that exists in the squad do you guys get into that uh, in sort of the free time that you have after the hockey uh i get all the updates from all the xbox boys but no i'm i haven't really played that much in these during this lockdown with them lot um there's definitely a core 10 or 12 people that are dedicated to it and i i use the word dedicated appropriately um <laughs> But no, I'd say myself and Phil aren't those aren't part of that core gaming group, unfortunately. So, so you're not gamers then? I definitely game, but just not in not with the group. <laughs> I'm I'm not cool enough, I don't think. I don't, I don't quite make the cut. I'm not cool enough to get my massive headphones on like Taff, like you like like yours, Taff, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah. I actually no, I have got a pair of terrible headphones that I gamed for about two months and then decided no, I can't. I can't offend too many people. Gaming's really cool and I love it. <laughs> Can we clarify something? The reason Phil stopped was because he was really bad, not because of any other reason. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a lie. That is a lie. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, really, it's really true. I was so bad, and I can't believe how seriously people take it. You're getting like in your little squads or whatever when you're getting told what to do. I'm just like I'm just here to shoot some people, not. <laughs> Is it a bit? Have you seen that episode of The Office where um they all go like really hardcore on Call of Duty and actually have like meetings in the boardroom to discuss tactics? Does it get that serious? <laughs> not not to that extreme, but it there are occasions where you know who's on and who's off and you strategically choose who you're going to play with and who you're not going to play with. There's <laughs> definitely been that scenario. Um, go on, go on Bren. Who are you playing with? Oh, I don't play with those boys. I told you, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm a solo man. <laughs> are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Well, yeah, to an extent, maybe. <laughs> okay, I won't, I won't do it. Bren, you t- you're talking rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered where you were going with that then. <laughs> um, and, and obviously, you're, you're seeing the GB guys uh, on a regular basis, but 
Um, I think both of you are a good club men and have, have sort of championed uh, the, the club culture and atmosphere um, on your own podcast and in other conversations. Are you missing the guys there? Are you able to stay connected at all? Um, I'm definitely missing some of the Serbian guys. Uh, a lot of the guys that we have, we don't really get to see because they're city boys. So actually, when you when you have training, it's really nice to see them. Uh, probably some of Wimbledon, to be fair. Um, like naturally, you see, so we see what seven or eight of the guys at Bisham, but then it's obviously it's the other seven or eight or more actually that make the squad up that actually you really do appreciate on those days, on the evening, cold evenings and Tuesdays and Thursdays, where you kind of really get to catch up and see people. So for me, I'm definitely missing the club guys as much as I would miss the GB guys if they weren't around as well. Yeah, the, I, I I really like the, the the variety and and yeah, being with different people, having like a you know your your after matches and just the different slightly different camaraderie that comes with club hockey. I definitely miss that. Um, but yeah, you never know. We might be back there in the next month or two. Fingers crossed. Touch wood. You are an optimistic man. <laughs> Got to be, haven't you? Yeah, fair. Well, I mean, there's, there's every possibility we might, if we elongate the season a bit, and uh, <clears throat> we might squeeze in half the season and do that. But yeah, it's, it's looking, particularly I think for for you guys up in the Prem, pretty difficult to squeeze in everything that needs to be fitted in properly, doesn't it? Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and obviously athlete welfare. Not that all international bodies particularly care about that. Uh, but when you factor in things like the, the world champ, uh, the, the Olympics, the Euros potentially the pro league uh, and so on it's, it's an enormous amount of stuff to try and fit into the summer really isn't it so it, it's gonna be a tough one unfortunately yeah for sure it's highly packed uh so for brendan obviously it's it's been you've said before about it being in a way a blessing uh in the nicest way possible that there's been this lockdown and it's given you the time to physically recover but on the other hand are you now sort of potentially feeling a little bit of you've only had a small amount of sort of real heated contact time in terms of match play is that eating away at all, or is it okay with what you guys are doing at the training ground? As a member of the squad, I think we'd all like to be playing games, but at the same time, you've got to take the context into account. So I think, yeah, it's, there's a bit of frustration there, but at the same time, we're, we're going to try and make do with the best that we've got in terms of access to Bisham and everything else. Actually, we can still train as a really big squad of us, and actually four days or five days a week is still a great contact time for us. Um and I've had as many game, international games as everybody else has in the past 12 months. So on that side of thing, I'm not really missing out. Um, but at the same time, there is that natural, as an international athlete, you want to be playing as many games as you can naturally. So I think on that side of thing, it's probably a shared frustration. But at the same time, it's an understanding that what we've got to do is actually maximise our time at Bisham rather than worry about what other nations and what else is going on in the world. Yeah, you can only control what you can control, I suppose, can't you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that actually brings on an interesting thing that I've noticed, which is if you look at, say, the women's game, and this isn't exclusive to the GB women, and if you if you look beyond to the Netherlands and, the, and many other countries, they're quite willing and open to talk about the challenges that they faced on a mental side, on the physical side, like exhaustion and so on, and all the different challenges. With the men, it doesn't seem to be something that guys are so comfortable discussing and confronting. Even like retired ones, it doesn't come up so much in podcasts. I wonder Because you've been, both of you sort of don't seem to have a filter when it comes to <laughs> these sorts of questions. And I, I just thought, why do you think it is that, generally speaking, with the blokes, the guys aren't so open about these things, but the women are quite comfortable with doing it uh, that's a tough question I, so is sorry it, are you, <laughs> gone so, deep early 
I'll ask. I'll, well, uh, can I come back with a uh, with a different question? I, I'm slightly confused as to what you actually mean. Um, yeah. So do you do you mean like? Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't I don't fully understand what you what you're asking. Sorry. Sure. No. no. So um, for example. Um, Helen Richardson Walsh has talked openly about the mental health issues that she had and she did it while she was still competing right at the top end um, Eva Dechuda has spoken about the exhaustion that she felt after Rio and the need to take that break and it may be that just just by chance I've not encountered it with blokes so much but I'd say with, with you guys when I've heard you speaking you don't sort of sugarcoat things but broadly speaking I can't think of many men's internationals who've spoken about things like mental health openly or doubting themselves or concerns about um, recovering from injuries, that sort of thing. It's, yeah, uh, I think the first thing that pops into my head is like, I, I really I, I really agree with you that I don't I can't really think of many people who've done that, especially men. I think the thing I'd say is that the platform for the guys um, to to maybe do that, like it it doesn't seem like it's it's as out there um like for example i know that the the, the you know gb women have won gold in the last olympics therefore i think there's 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 an amazing platform which they fully deserve to to have voices and someone yeah. like ava de hood is a absolutely huge hockey personality and again she should be um my only question is like is it, it probably is out there um i just i'm not sure it's something that people are actively not doing more that more the fact that is the is is are people actually being asked that question yeah i i'm with phil on that i think i think we've probably spoken quite openly about whether we if we were interviewed if we were asked that question in terms of have we struggled along the mental health side of it whether it be injuries or whatever i think we'd be pretty open to saying yeah we probably have like phil's around the time of rio and mine obviously in the last 18 months kind of you we've both been there with pretty serious injuries and we've both probably had our ups and downs during it. Um, and I'm definitely open to saying that I, I went through a month where I really struggled and to the point that I just lay on the sofa for a month. That, that was, that was my day to the point that I had people in the house questioning what I'm even doing. Cause I was literally doing nothing, which I think is quite a normal thing. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I'm with, I'm with Phil on it in terms of the platform. I think the platform for, speaking about it is greater for the women and rightly so because of what's happened um but i don't i don't necessarily think it doesn't happen i just wonder if people actually are asked the question if that makes yeah sense. i was just about to say I, I don't think it's it's maybe not about platforms it's the fact that like i've never i don't think i've ever been asked that question and, mm. I, and I question maybe how how many people in our squad or in 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 another in another international men's squad have actually been asked that question because I, I I definitely haven't. I think we broke we brought up maybe exhaustion. We brought up little bits of of stuff in our podcast, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know when I've actually been been asked it. And I, and I I think if you asked the majority, I know that the majority of the guys in our squad, if you ask them a, a genuine question, I'm pretty sure they give you a give you a good answer. Yeah, I think you're, you're probably right. Like the the platform thing's definitely a fair point, which to be honest hadn't occurred to me. I mean, because I'm I'm just as interested hearing about what's going on with the guys but the fact is most of the interactions at the press hub are mostly it seems after matches when you guys are shattered uh, yeah. and the questions are going to be primarily about minute things that happen in the game and major incidents like goals etc um, <clears throat> so it could it, you could could well be right on that front I mean off the top of my head the help side um, I can't unfortunately remember the name of the guy who hosts it um, just trying to find it He's an Australian. Uh, Tom Wickham, I think. Um, 
uh, he's an Australian international um, who hosts. Uh, he 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 does get both sorts of conversations going quite well. Um, but yeah, it's just an interesting thing I'd, I'd noticed either when interviewing you guys in the past or hearing other people speaking to you and hearing your podcast and so on, that the two of you didn't seem to hold any of that sort of stuff back. And Brendan, like there, mentioning about struggling being sat on the sofa, it's really important people have the guts to say that sort of stuff, to let people know it's okay not to be okay. It's a cliche, but it's true. Um, And the more that people hear it from role models and people they can look up to, the better it is really. Um, yeah. So thank you for for taking some time to think about that one. <laughs> and that was that was on my sofa as well. The majority of that. <laughs> uh, no, I was I was still functioning at that stage. I think on your sofa. Jeez, Jesus I, um, Christ! If that was yeah, functioning. So, po- so post so surgery, I stayed at Ropes's two three weeks. So three I stayed weeks, there. two days. Not that Phil was counting or anything like that. He was um, <laughs> so I was keeping Phil's wife company because we're best mates. So. Um, yeah, it was actually quite a fun. It was a fun three weeks for me. It wasn't for Phil. Um, but yeah, no, that, that was genuinely uh, what happened. He picked me up from the hospital and kind of well, I went back to Phil. So Phil kind of saw it firsthand that my first few weeks were very slow. The the stupidity of Brendan though, he, I can I can enlighten everyone a little bit more if I haven't already. That he was going for a major ACL surgery, and until about a day before, he was like, "Yeah, I've just got my backpack on my back. I'm just going to get the tube home." <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's not even a joke. So, sorry, I, I said it to him once. Thought he was joking. Then I like came home, spoke to my wife, and like Nick, Brent said this, and she was like, "You won't be joking." <laughs> Ring him. So I had to drive into drive into London. I had to like, pay a sixty pound fine for Phil driving through because of obviously the charges you get when you drive into London. <laughs> no, we we split that, mate. No, we, no, we didn't. I paid for the full thing because I was conscious that obviously it was my bad. <laughs> Oh, good times. Uh, well, uh, yeah, sort of, I guess that brings us on to a slightly sunnier topic, but uh, it, it's something that's it's been in the, in the news a little bit recently, uh, just because of the natural time of the year. Um, we've seen the likes of Lily Owsley have announced that they're heading over to the Hove class. Um, I know a few other guys are looking at the Belgian leagues. Uh, Brendan, you've, again, you've spoken quite openly about the benefits you had, I think, of playing over in Germany and, and the impact that had on your game and, and the experience. Uh, are there any sort of plans on your parts on that? Do you think it, it, it's something that might be happening more and more with a squad? Um, I think it. I think it. Post Olympics is a great time to do it because there's a there's a break in the international program um, and the full time program for a few months. So there's a real good opportunity to do it if people want to take that opportunity. Um, and I think it comes on an individual basis where you are in your life, whereabouts you're living, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you want to change clubs as well, it's a nice break if you want to do that. Um, some people quite like a new scene. It's been a five-year end of the end of the day. It's been a five-year cycle, which is pretty unheard of, obviously, with everything that goes on. So I think, if anything, it's an extra year on. So potentially people might look to go abroad again um, if they have done already, or if they just want to go for the first time. It's kind of a great opportunity to really do it. Um, Excellent skirting, Brennan. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, sp- I spoke to. I spoke to Beershot quite openly last year about it, and then I've spoken to him again this year about the potential to do it, but it's all very much uh, unsure at the moment, kind of not made a decision on that front. And um, I, I saw you uh, tweeted about the Hove class starting up again and being excited to watch some hockey. Is there, are you a fan of a particular team? Not particularly, to be honest. If anything, Tilburg, because my old housemate plays for them. Um, they've got a huge game against Almira, so bottom two clash. 
I've told him if he doesn't score, he'd best not even think about coming back to the UK. So, um, <laughs> no, I've got no particulars, to be honest. I'm quite quite excited just to watch some hockey. I mean, Flumendal versus Campo is going to be a pretty, as much as it's going to be the first game back, it's still going to be pretty exciting to have it back as well. Yeah, I'm 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 torn. I'm 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 thinking of watching a uh, good old Gary. Uh, I really want to score some goals. How are you, um, Phil? Any any favourites? Um, <laughs> I just more look at the players at the moment. I just enjoy watching watching really top quality players. Good skirting. Good skirting. <laughs> Do, uh, question for you boys. Uh, do you ever watch that sort of um, tournaments or? Or games and and look at the internationals that play on there and figure out what their uh, go-to skills are. And obviously, when you play against them in in an international, you know you got a fair idea of what they do. Obviously, you get a lot of briefings anyway at international level. But sometimes they play differently, don't they, um, in a in a club game than they do in internationals. I think I think you can pick stuff up. From watching stuff, you can definitely pick stuff up. I wouldn't say you you're looking for anything in particular, um, because hockey is obviously such just an open open skill game. The fact that most international players can pretty much do anything, yeah. um, but at the same time, as as you say, the more video you're going to watch, the more studying you do, you're going to be able to notice stuff um, from certain certain individuals and what they like to do. And I think it's yeah, I I, I don't see. I'm not sure I consciously do it, but I'd say I watch a, a, a lot of the a lot of the hockey, and I don't think it, it helps. Uh, sorry, I don't think it doesn't help. Yeah, yeah, cool. I've got nothing. I've got nothing to add to that. Phil <laughs> very comprehensively answered that question. Cool. Um, so, something you, you said, and I I'm a, terribly sorry. I can't remember exactly what it was that prompted me, but um, looking at the squad now, and there seems to have been. Well, I say now, it's been a while since you guys last had a tournament and so on, but um, there seems to be a really good culture. And with no disrespect intended to maybe past iterations of the squad, it seems a much warmer atmosphere nowadays. And I was just wondering if that's something that you guys are conscious of. Is it something that you've worked on as a group? Um, is it the natural consequence of having you two guys in there? Uh, I was just wondering what your thoughts are <laughs> on it. Uh, I can safely say that having myself and Phil in there does not help that. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's, it's something that we were, I think Phil and the guys from the previous cycle were pretty conscious of making sure the culture was right not saying it was wrong in the previous group but i think they wanted something a little bit different um and then the combination of that and getting six or seven guys coming in who have all been in the 21s together i think helped in terms of it wasn't like it was a new group there was actually a lot of players that had previously played with each other coming in um which i think made quite a bit of difference and gave a really good platform to really build from um, so I'd say there's been a real conscious effort with regards to the, definitely the um, culture that the groups had. I don't know if you want to add on that, Phil. No, um, no, it's pretty pretty spot on. I know that we that, that you learn a hell of a lot from your from your mistakes, don't you? And I think we did a lot of um, as a new group, but also as a as an old group, a, a lot of learning from where we went wrong in the in the Rio cycle. And even though I've got to say there was a lot that was right about that cycle. But as you said, in in terms of that, we wanted to get something right. And as you said, as you kind of put it, you want to see the enjoyment, you want to see the love, um, and that's something that I know we focused on a lot in the last few years about 
uh, like enjoying the moments, enjoying the now, enjoy the journey. Um, like I'm always trying to love what love what I do, and uh, and that's the general one of the aspects that we talk about a lot. Because if you're going to training and and just making it the slog or to get to the end goal, I don't think it's ever going to help you in the long run. Um, so yeah, it's 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 it's, it's nice that you can see that from the outside because it's definitely something even as small as celebrating the goals wildly um, as, as some, some of the guys do. It's, it's just great. Yeah. It's, I mean, from, from my, I've, I've been a volunteer since 2007 uh, different events and been a photographer for a similar length of time. And you can really see that there's a proper like joy de vie about being together and like in a warm up and like some of the stuff that's obviously emerged like particularly with Quan Brown leading those ridiculous warm up routines and he's just so full of beans and energy the whole squad from top to bottom just looks com- like completely united um, and when when people need picking up you guys are able to pick them up um, and it, it's been from my side as a sort of I guess a fan as well as uh, a supporter and, 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 and as a volunteer and whatever it's been really nice to see that happen uh, and to see the squad progress and I mean, Phil you're part of the leadership group aren't you is that right? Uh, yeah yeah. and uh, have you I have no idea sort of how you could possibly set about like do you set individual set like step targets that you go to try and do this or is it you start with a goal and you work backwards from there? Are you able to provide any insight to this? Um, well, no, I think because it's because it's developed over over since probably early since like very early 2017. Um, I've always been in and around that that then discussions, which is like pretty privileged to do. But we, we we've never talked about like an end goal or anything like that. It's always been like, what do we want out of the group and how do we get the most out of it? And we've got two amazing psychologists who've helped us an, an unbelievable amount on the journey. And it's all it's all generally focused on, you know, team first behaviors. And if you can if you can constantly remind yourself of good values and good team first behaviors, then basically it's going to create a good culture naturally. We're not perfect. There's definitely ups and downs. But like if, if you've got a, a North Star that you're going to constantly try and strive for um, aligned with with how the team wants to be. Um, yeah, it, it seems to be definitely working um, nicely at the moment. I guess uh, I guess Taft kind of gets to see. He's probably the closest person that gets to see the behind the scenes. Bear in mind, he's pretty much next to our change room the whole time. So you can probably you probably see some stuff that other people don't see in the tunnels and things like that as well. And kind of you can probably hear it through the change room door. The amount of music and kind of there's just a real energy that I think is quite hard to get sometimes. That I think we've we've really started to master. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you, boys. Um, over the years, I've seen the, the dynamics change within within the you know the core group, and it has like you know Simon's been saying, and in, uh, in the past, it's not been so so much interactive interactivity between um, like the, the the team and other people around them. But nowadays, over the you know let's say over the past past four or five years or whatever. The dynamics has changed, and and you know you guys have been a little bit more approachable, a little bit more you know engaging with with volunteers, with the crowd, and things like that, where it hasn't been in the past as much as it is now. It's 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 improved like 100%. I think the engagement that you have uh, as like you know the the GB men's team with people, it's uh, it's good to see. And you know we always have a banter as well, don't we? <laughs> when we're in the uh, you know outside the changing rooms or down the tunnel or whatever and, and and i think every single player is very much like that now whereas you had pockets of players in the past being like that 
I think the whole team is kind of, you know, like that bantery and uh, and engaging. So yeah, definitely nice. whatever whatever's been happening, whatever you've been working on, you guys or the psychologists have been working on has been, you know, fantastic. And I know, obviously, I know the psychologists as well because they're around, around you guys. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we've I've had a couple of conversations with them as well, and you know, I've I've relayed to them how I think you guys are improved in in respects to you know interactions and stuff. So yeah, keep it going. Thanks, Thanks very much. much. Yeah, keep it going, boys. Um, so switching it up a gear, um, we we're looking at the Euros. Uh, obviously, coming up is as I said earlier, it's a packed calendar for you guys um i was speaking to gareth um a little while ago and said like to him would it not be tempting maybe to be so from a wales point of view be gunning for a medal because so many squads are going to be in the, you know the back of your mind you've got the olympics um <clears throat> so the euros could be quite a funny one you know france coming up with to be fair some very good players they might not might not be the most well-ranked team but they've got some quality in there Spanish obviously have been doing very well with very little funding Germany always a threat um, it could be quite a weird one so I was just wondering what your thoughts are going into the Euros um, I'm, I'm, I missed that whole thing sorry <laughs> I'll, I'll go then I'll My go next. Oh, you go Phil um, first of all yeah like it, it, it possibly the Euros is just by far the most the strongest what, inter continental championships uh, because as you've already said and you didn't even touch on Holland and Belgium which is just yeah. ridiculous um, <laughs> so anything like you, you know that anything can happen and I guess with Olympic selection uh, sorry Olympics looming I guess it could change people and they could be looking at it as more of a test event um, it's, it's hard to put into words because we're still it feels like we're miles away from it but we're actually only a few months away um, I would only say that we're in a very unique position because of the fact that we're going to go to a, an Olympics as Great Britain and then we're going to split as, as England. It's, it's. I know that you know. Anyone who goes to Europeans knows it's a massive, massive tournament, and that I, I can't see anyone taking taking their foot off the gas uh, for it. Um, and, I, and I certainly don't think we will. Yeah, I guess the beauty is that you want to try and build as much momentum as you can going into the Olympics. So I think is a real opportunity to. As Phil says, do the opposite and almost put your foot on the gas rather than take your foot off it. Yeah. How, no. how do you think? Sorry. Sorry, you go. I was going to say, how do you think um, it's going to affect you going into the Euros and then going into uh, the Olympics as well? Yeah, because it's a small window this this time round, isn't it? Very small window, isn't it? In, in in other years, there's been a few months between that happening, or not even at all, actually. To be honest with you, but. Um, I think you've yeah. got into just, just a good headspace on it. I think you kind of, it's two tournaments. It is potentially a long break away from home as well. There's that combination to go with it. I think you've got to get, as a group, we've got to mentally prepare ourselves. And as Phil says, it's going to be one squad to go to one and potentially a different squad to go to the other. So there's that combination that no one else will probably have that situation of, which is quite, again, unique. So I think we've got, it's a challenge, but at the same time, it's one that's a really exciting challenge to kind of get your head around and kind of get on top of so that when it comes to it, we're all in a good place to be able to really attack both tournaments and kind of go after them both. Sorry. No, you go, you go. I think that Brendan hit the nail on the head. <laughs> um, so um, <clears throat> there was a, a, a statement released by the Euro Hockey Federation, I think it was yesterday, uh, saying what they're planning to do with different tournaments and that an announcement for this specific Euro Nations Championships will take place a bit further into the year. But so, the way it was worded, it implied that they will go ahead 
it may be that they don't have crowds because obviously the likelihood of having mass vaccination done by then is unlikely. Uh, what are your feelings on the idea of it taking place with either no crowd or, or a very small one? Obviously, we, you had the, the Pro League match, but that was kind of a one-off. Um, it'd be very different going into the Wagner Stadium uh, with no crowd every single time. Ah, well, hockey players were blessed with this. <laughs> let's, 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 not, let's not be around the bush. I was playing in front of two blokes and his dog. It's, it's, it's not unheard of. Um <laughs> and and you, to be fair, you see so many sporting events like the NBA at the moment doing it, like the the football Premier League. Like it's something that you every every single person that you would ask would prefer to play it rather than not play at all. Um, and yeah, I think we're better prepared than than the other sports. That's for sure. Yeah, and, and as Phil says, like it's going to be weird. And obviously, we both have amazing memories of 2017 Europeans in the same stadium. But at the same time, this might be great prep for the Olympics where it might be the same scenario. So it's, again, it's a unique opportunity that actually, if you can get your head around it, put you in great stead for an actual in the Olympics at the end of the day. So actually, it could work out really well. Um, but at the same time, obviously, it's not obviously ideal, but it's what it is. Phil's getting his dinner delivered to him. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know how to mute on Skype. <laughs> it's fine. No, that makes it even more, even better, doesn't it? Maybe yeah, if I just say thank, thank you, darling. <laughs> I guess it, I guess it's uh, more human, isn't it? When you're doing it this way, hundred percent. Oh, you know, I mean. We had Sam Ward leave partway through a podcast to go and get his Chinese takeaway when it turned yeah. up. So. <laughs> so. Phil will be very judgmental of what he ordered as well, I'm guessing. <laughs> I love a Chinese. That'd be an incredible off-piste way of going about it. Right. This is the new podcast. Say what you get from a Chinese. <laughs> Um, so uh, <laughs> um, something you, you touched on I guess was was the fact that we're unfortunately in a way well yeah definitely unfortunately we're used to not having crowds at games um, <clears throat> so we're all uh, hockey lovers we're all passionate about the sport heavily involved in it so perhaps we're blinded to what's great about but what the problem is but I mean to me you know, it's a dynamic sport it's uh, now particularly with the advent of EHL and the subsequent TV stuff that's developed. Uh, we've got great personalities. I mean, Brendan is consistently one of the funniest people I've heard on a pitch when I've been there as a photographer. Why do you think we're struggling? Uh, oh, God, that's a real can of worms. Um, <laughs> personally, it's a marketing thing. Um, I don't think we're a very marketable sport because of the people that play it and the fact that we're quite happy the way it is. And at the same time, we're really, really not happy the way it is. Um, what I mean by that is it's obviously like if you look at the way we market it, let's say at a club level, we're quite happy doing just a job rather than trying to get high quality, high content out there. So actually then you get really. So let's say, for example, we talk about uh, the highlights package that comes together from the Premier League. It's pretty budget cameras getting something from 100 yards away where you can barely see the ball and you can barely see the goal. And we somehow expect that a big company is going to turn up and a big sponsor is going to rock up and fund it. And unfortunately it's got to be the other way around. And we've as clubs have probably got to put more money in to get better quality out. So then somebody will naturally turn up on that front because they'll see actually, Oh, it's a decent product. Yeah. We'll get involved. But at the moment when you've got arse end of nowhere, hockey clubs sending a hundred yards away where you can't see the far goal and you're like, 
yeah, even as hockey players, we're like, this is pointless. What we're we doing? Um, I feel pretty strongly on the fact that it's, it's, unfortunately the clubs are going to have to take a plunge in terms of putting some money in. But there's a real opportunity to get something out of it. But you've got to be confident enough to take the plunge. And unfortunately, I don't think we are at the moment. Yeah, um, I'm I'm not sure where to come in. It's it, everyone loves. There's so many people love playing the sport in our country, especially. But people don't. Um, you don't get the same crossover with people watching it. Yeah. Um, and so you could. It, it's definitely there. It's like it's possible to get people to watch the sport because people like playing it. It's just, I guess, as Brendan's saying, maybe how it's marketed, how it's how how you can use it as a tool, how you can maybe you have to create bigger bigger profiles. We are very saturated um in especially in England as to how many amazing sports there are and how popular sports uh, how popular other sports are. Um so yeah, I I I probably agree with Bren. Like Beastner have done amazing work in the last few years yeah. and uh, people need to take leads off them and then hopefully you would see, you know, it's out there more then more people turn up and it's like a roll a knock-on effect yeah I'm, I, I think there's a real that like, ogs have started to do it i think it's just a case of getting games out there and getting more content out there like if you see the the germans have a they used to have like a, a top 10 goals of the week uh obviously the dutch have got unbelievable highlights the belgians probably not as much but they're coming into their own on that as well kind of we're not really Instead, we've got a 30-minute highlights package that's pretty poor quality, to be honest. And I, I got to say that I stopped watching it, and it's my own league. I mean, that's that's probably quite a negative way of looking at it. But at the same time, let's be honest, it's not great. Um, but then again, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes a real someone with a real passion to do it for free, which then obviously creates the real issue. Um, it's better than it was because it that's hasn't. True. So, so maybe you have to take them incremental little steps. Which they've done. They now get every game every week. Maybe maybe next next year they get slightly better cameras, and it has to knock on like that, doesn't it? It can't all just be like suddenly everyone's got a five thousand seat stadium and unbelievable cameras. It just it just doesn't work. And I'm sure that everyone always says that hockey's you know 20 years behind rugby as as to, as to how it's how it's kind of like trying to grow. So I guess that's that's one example that might be positive to look at. There are. Yeah. Sorry. No, I'll just start, like saying I read somewhere on social media and, and it keeps popping up every now and again that hockey is is, is a great sport, obviously. Um, but what we we're, we're a family sport and that's a good thing and also a bad thing. We're classed as a family sport and sometimes that classing of the sport stops us from getting better and better at, at, at providing, you know, that's like fun. let's say packages for, um, you know, TV or whatever. Uh, because they don't see it as a um, a feasible sport to actually sponsor or something like that. Mm. But it's very much like any other sport. It's very much like rugby. It's very much like football. It's a lot better than th- those two sports, obviously. Um, <laughs> but we just need to basically, you know, um, get it out there and, and get people watching it. I mean, at, at the Olympics in, in this country, I mean, in 2012, it was the second most watched sport ever during that olympic period in 2012 and this is worldwide not just in england worldwide mm. second most most popular sport watch watch sport um and if we can if we can do that every single time for every olympics why why can't we sort of like try and get some sponsorship that way and so i say look you know yeah. we are we are a good sport i think there's i think one thing we missed after both 2012 and 2016 is we didn't run with the momentum that it created 
we, we basically didn't capitalize on it as yeah. a sport unfortunately um and the second point i'd add is i agree with you on the family sport the one thing we don't do is hit like a key demographic and that's inner city and i think what reese smith's doing with hockey in a city i think is an incredible thing because it's appealing to a different mass and something that hockey as a middle-class sport doesn't really achieve very often um so i think there's a real opportunity there and i think there's more clubs are getting more cute to how government funding and things like that work i know there's suburban hockey with surbiton who go around into primary schools into london-based areas and kind of offer a little bit more opportunity on the school curriculum basically to try and get people to understand that it is there um and naturally because it as i say it is a middle class sport like you, it is costly um i think that's also one thing that as a sport we probably need to be a little bit better as being more inclusive towards less fortunate um as a, and the beauty of hockey is once you're in it you're probably in it for life yeah. the people you meet um the enjoyment you have for the sport the social side of it at clubs and things like that i think it's a real it is a life sport, whereas if you look at football, football you play in a team for a bit and then you, you move on and that's kind of it. Rugby, as you say, very similar in the fact that it's a family sport. And that's the real benefits of hockey and rugby, that side, social side to it. But I think we, the one thing we don't do is get enough people through the door and kind of keep them in. That's probably my big thing on that. Yeah, it's it, with um, getting people in the door. So, like looking at my club, Cambridge, as the example that I can refer to, when we would host Holcomb back when they had basically half the England and GB squad, obviously we could get like the whole pitch completely lined with spectators all around the cage. It was probably about 700 people watching it. When we have Wimbledon ladies come to us before they got promoted, same thing. You could get loads of people there to go and watch because they've got plenty of great players. But unfortunately i don't think enough people in the club do that bit of sort of triumphing it and saying you know you need to come and watch this it's a great game to watch grab a beer have a chat that sort of stuff and there's i think self-pass say this quite a lot on social media and i think they're probably right which is that people need to instead of moaning about it actually go and do something about it uh and the, we've got lots of people who give their time as volunteers and you know committee members and there's so much they can do but those who aren't on the committee is it really so hard to sort of whack it in your facebook status or whatever the, the kids are using these days and just say there's a game this is the time this is the place come and have a beer and watch yeah sure i think i think there's a, there's other difficulties to it so if you look at how the dutch do it they put games on a friday and a sunday and everybody else plays on a saturday i mean that's a that's a pretty clever way to market it if you put games on a friday night at the edge of london suddenly people get a little bit more interested they finish work oh what's to do tonight oh 7 30 pushback is it oh cheaper beers at the club as well oh yeah i'll go down and watch like, there's definitely ways you can be cuter about it um yeah. we've suggested as players long for our game against wimbledon or games against ogs because it's just down the road why not why not put it on a friday night give people something different where everybody can come down after work then they can go and enjoy the saturday and not have to even think about what they're doing in the evening they can kind of just that's their own time and then sunday same thing like I think we can be a lot cleverer as a sport about that side of things in terms of how we market it. And, yeah. Do you know? Do you know what I think it is? Is hockey's also old-fashioned and mm. it loves to be stuck in its ways of like yeah. we play this many games a year, we play on this day, we play at this time, and then it's like someone has to take a step and be like, let's be innovative. Oh, yeah. however you, the hell you say that word. It was like, right, Phil. Well done. Let's 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 try different stuff. Let's let's put on. Let's just think completely outside the box. Let's chuck out the old way of thinking and let's start again. Like it feels like every time someone tries to do that, they get so much pushback from so many people. As you said, because it's family, because it's all old. You know, it, it it just then dies a death. 
Hmm. There need to be more people thinking and saying yes, being like yes, we will do. Like we'll we'll try that. We'll try a Friday night game. We'll try uh, double headers. We'll try this and that and and see and see where it takes you. Because if you, if you don't try that, then basically you just you're always going to be stuck in the same uh, path, talking about the same old stuff. Yeah, I think it's been as Phil says, it's been really passionate about it as well, and kind of not giving in to a bit of pushback. It's kind of really fighting for what you really think actually will help. And if and if it doesn't, you can go hold your hands up and say, do you know what, I was wrong, but at least tried to do something a little bit different. Yeah, definitely. I think people tend to look at England hockey as if like, come on, you do it. But the fact is, they're short-staffed. They only have so much time. There's not the masses of resources, so they need to focus on where they can get their wins most yeah. easily. And that is with the national game. And the fact is, when we look at the when we host a match or we host a tournament, the stadium's pretty much full whenever England or Great Britain are on, and it's well populated for even the smaller nations. So on that front, they do their job. I think it probably comes down to the clubs to step it up a bit uh, and probably for businesses connected. There are some brands who do a wonderful job on marketing, I think. Um, There's also a few who are very, like you say, stuck in the way and quite comfortable with the little niche that they've carved out. And they're not really particularly bothered about expanding it necessarily. Sure. Yeah. I think we're, we're cricket oh, like it's it's the english like old like old fashioned stuff is that you play hockey in the winter and you play cricket in the summer so i think still think you've got them people who go we can't play into april that's ridiculous because cricket season starts there's such a minority of people but for some reason it sits like that and so we finish our season when it's just getting nice where it's getting nice to watch where it's getting nice to play and you're like oh finished our league on the 9th of march brilliant fantastic <laughs> unsurprisingly, unsurprisingly summer internationals are always rammed and you get to the internationals in march time and everyone's like oh i'm not always always six degrees i'm not sure about that i mean that's surely like a tell in itself um, talking about internationals uh we've so this came up a few podcasts back and and it i stuck it on twitter and it got a little bit of debate going what would your views be on trying to have some sort of semi-regular maybe every two to four years home nations tournament so england scotland wales northern ireland or or ireland <laughs> i haven't really That's got an endorsement anything, <laughs> for or against it i think it's, it's more competition um it'd be quite good to have a little home almost like a rugby six nations style yeah. it might be quite a yeah. good thing i mean you yeah. could probably get france and italy involved in that as well if you wanted to make it an actual <laughs> hockey six nations <laughs> generally i think that'd probably be quite a good thing just in terms of again it's just more publicity and it'd be great for France and Italy as well to get across and kind of host it as a in a tournament. I think it'd be I think it'd be quite a good idea. You saying France and Italy just because the rugby do it? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> because they do that because they're the rugby. Oh, you're in. <laughs> 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 oh. But no, I was I was just thinking, our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just thinking sort of when people complain about not having the games. Uh, outside of Lee Valley, and we saw with uh, the stoop that that can work. Um, we've seen it in other parts of the country in the past. Uh, so uh, Bowdoin, Nottingham have all hosted sort of major tournaments and so on. Glasgow Greens, well set up, uh, is an understatement. Uh, Wales have a small little stadium as well. Um, so and, and over in, in Ireland, of course, they managed to turn a rugby stadium into just like we did with, with the Stoop. So to me, that could potentially be a way of doing it, is get it out of London and show a bit of love to other parts of the country, get people coming to a more localised match where it's maybe 45 minutes instead of a two-hour journey to get to a game. And then it becomes a little bit more tangible. Plus, you've got that instant rivalry that we have uh, as the home nations, which eats straight into the likes of the Daily Mail's appetite. And uh, they're more inclined to give us a bit of coverage then, uh, rather than talking about 
what certain players from the uh, 2016 squad might have been wearing or what TV shows they're on and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I love the fact of, like, I'm a massive advocate of getting games around the country yeah. because I think that, like, I mean... Whether it's for me, yeah, it sounds okay. If someone said play home nations, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds good. Um, where it would fit into the calendar, and then there's the questions of, of, of uh, like, you know, if you ask me, would I prefer to play home nations or would I prefer to play Holland, Belgium, and Germany? I, I'm 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 playing the latter. But again, it's, there's no there's no harm in it. I think the big thing I'd say is get the get the hockey around the country where everyone can actually come and see it. Get games in Glasgow, get games in Cardiff, get games in Manchester. Do it like and I don't think it's as easy as said and done, but like definitely just, just get it out there so people can travel and watch games. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Phil on that. I think it's from both of us being from up north and so close to each other as well. We kind of appreciate how much people up north want to push for it as well. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm with Phil completely on that. I think the more games we can get around the country, the better for not only the sport but probably for the country as well, because it's only going to grow if we do that. Yeah, it's so it's so weird. But when we when I first joined the pro life, some of my first caps I played uh, at Wakefield against Holland. Completely like like who chose Wakefield? But we had like a full out. It was sold out, and it was it was amazing. I loved it. Like but like it's just I, they just need to try and push that a little bit more. I reckon. Yeah, it's, I think it's also clubs proving that they can put something up whether it's temporary seating or whatever it may be just kind of having that option just makes it so much more appealing than obviously going to the same venue which is pretty difficult for let's say somebody from Birmingham with train costs plus ticket prices plus potentially having to stay over if they're going to be there the whole day I mean then you're looking at if you're taking your kids as well like it just becomes such an expensive ordeal I think it's definitely worth looking into spreading it around the country for sure so I on that one um I know someone from the north of England who went to watch uh, the GB Pro League games in Belgium and in Holland because it was cheaper than going to watch the ga- the home games in London. Sounds about yeah. right. <laughs> Pretty point ready, isn't it? Yeah. Christ. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it'd be, I think we'd be I think we're as players we're not unaware of it it's just unfortunately it's not in our control because <laughs> um, I think everybody's thinking the same thing I think it's just a case of when the opportunity comes and as you say with the stoop as well there's a real scope to actually go to potentially even like non-league football clubs and kind of put it up there it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be a 25 30,000 seat stadium but if you can pack out a seven and a half thousand seat stadium that alone creates an atmosphere especially if they've got a little bit of roofing suddenly it becomes a real Baptism of fire, baptism of fire, and proper cauldron for away teams to come to as well, which I guess is probably the other thing about English crowds. We're not the loudest, <laughs> so any help is very much appreciated on that side of things. Lots of volunteers out there that have to g the crowds up a lot of the time. <laughs> I don't know whether you've seen it or not. You know, even at even at Lee Valley, you know, we got we got like the hockey makers trying to g the crowds up, and you get them going for about you know five minutes, and then the game starts. That's it. They go it's, it's all difficult. quiet. It's I think it's too. I think they want to be too polite and keep it quiet yeah, we, and, we and guess, not, not if, cheer when they think you've got the ball or whatever. If, if you dare to speak up and get vaguely passionate and noisy, you get told off by, yeah. <laughs> by another spectator for ruining the atmosphere. Stop trying to put them off, but you're not going to put them off if you're going, yeah, go on, Phil, go on, Do you look at how, like, obviously, like, you get, I mean, standing stadiums in non-league football or whatever it was, I mean, the atmosphere there is naturally because people are packed in like sardines if you want to do it that way but at the same time 
if you go into an indoor hall in Europe, they don't have seats like they don't have proper seats. They have people standing or people on benches, so it's all tightly packed. It's a lot of people in a small space, and naturally, the atmosphere creates itself from that. Um, I think the I think the idea was, you know, the uh, the sort of like a temporary pitch that the stoop had. I think the idea was to actually check it out and see if it actually works, yeah. and then maybe take that around the country as well. Uh, yeah, in different no, venues. So. Yeah, we got um, obviously COVID happened and we couldn't basically do that or they couldn't do that but I think that that's kind of what the plan was even though they were going to um, you know play the last game of the of the Pro League at, at the Stoop anyway again uh, last year but you know it was ridiculously think, fun that was the Stoop yeah, it, was it, was, yeah. it was unbelievably good and they did do so well at putting it there and really, that, that is that is innovation isn't it that 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 they did that and in Ireland really setting a building block for hockey so yeah. you never know it can be done this. yeah yeah it can sure. be done so it can be done anywhere I mean with with, with that temperature pitch it can go anywhere yeah absolutely go on yeah, then yeah, on, on, on the atmosphere side it's just that's something like, particularly with COVID you just miss so much like thinking about the stoop and like uh, the, the Women's World Cup that wall of noise uh, and then at the Euros in Antwerp, like the atmosphere was mental there. Um, it's just I, any any ideas how we could try and foster that in terms of get beating away that stupid idea that we're Brits, we have to be quiet, we have to be polite, eat our strawberries, have our cream. Well, to be fair, I, I at the weekend we had in 2019 at Pro League where we played Australia. Um, and I can't remember who else it was, but we had like a full full sold out game. Um, yeah. And we had a, and, and the atmosphere there because it was completely sold out. It felt honestly like everyone. It felt like a completely different atmosphere. Um, mm. One of the things people talk about is like what Brennan's talked about is like targeting different different markets as well. So like getting students down, maybe offering student rates. Also like once one person starts, like you get the moments in the game where someone scores a great goal or someone does something, or you have a moment like. <laughs> It's it's trying to it's trying to let people go with their emotions. That's what sports about, isn't it? But I don't know how you start that. It does feel like when we have um, you know the the Olympic qualifier, I remember, and and as I said, a few pro league games. It was it was definitely louder than it normally is, um, and it's it just makes well. I mean, if anyone's listening, it makes our life nicer and makes our life a, a crazy amount more exciting. And we like everyone bloody loves it. So yeah. Um, so there are people listening. Don't worry, uh, Phil. There will be people listening. People, people didn't, people didn't listen to ours. So I just don't know how this works. We'll, we'll talk about yours in a minute. I did, I did love yours, um, and I, I think you actually might have replied to it in on a tweet. But I accidentally did write some of what you were saying whilst I was replying to a customer in an email, um, which was a really bad idea. So I stopped doing that after that point. Didn't listen to you whilst I was working after that. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant um, but yeah, but... sorry with, with that one i was just going to say so with your uh, podcast guys uh what what made you what made you decide to actually start it up and and why did it stop so let's say how why did it start how did you sort of like come about doing that and then why did it stop i'll let phil answer all of those questions <laughs> um yeah i i, I was pretty bored um and i do generally like my relationship with brendan over the last 20 years has, has generally just been poking fun at him and make him do ridiculous stuff and make him say stupid stuff um and i have a lot of fun like getting out of it and i thought that i thought we could introduce a, a podcast that did something completely different um to 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 the generic 
Um, well, this is this is pretty. I like this because it's just a general conversation. But the generic interview interviewee, um, and we just thought we'd 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 speak pretty genuinely about certain topics. There's definitely sort of stuff that we went off off we couldn't go on to, but like it's just a lot of fun when we had a lot of time. And um, I like it. Brendan. Brendan was mostly mostly did exactly um, what I wanted him to do, but uh, <laughs> occasionally occasionally went too serious. But you know. <laughs> I'm a massive fan of Ricky Gervais, Steve Merchant, and Carl Pilkington. If anyone's ever seen that, um, the the Ricky Gervais show. Um, why did we stop? Because uh, we got lazy, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that does, yeah, feels hitting nail on the head. I think I think we didn't realise. We thought at first it'd be really easy, and then after about 17 retakes and 40,000 edits, we realised it was actually really difficult. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and we've definitely we've definitely had conversations about doing a second series, but slightly different. Um, but we basically were like, we wanted it to be long enough that you could go for a walk and listen to, but not not too long that you'd sit there and you'd kind of get a bit bored of it. So we tried to kind of tried to keep it as short and sweet as we could, um, and basically just tried to have a conversation with, like we would do normally between the two of us, which I think we did quite successfully. Yeah. Obviously, I heard some of them before they got taken down. Um, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, it was quite quite interesting. And some of, a lot of it was funny, of course. Um, but yeah, I think you should do a second series for sure. We're keen missed, to. Yeah. We are. We are keen to. We've got a bit going on. Like, I mean, the pro- I guess the problem is when you've got two. Like, <laughs> it is laziness basically. It takes a lot. Of, like you say, to edit stuff and go through it and. I'm a bit like we tried actually to start one in November and I take full responsibility because we we recorded like twice. I got really annoyed both times that they weren't good enough. And I was like, no, no, not doing it now. We'll try again another time. And <laughs> so I was like, yeah. And we're now in we're now in the end of January and we've not gone back to it yet. So <laughs> you, you are right, though. It does. It, it is. It is a hard graph. Sometimes you need a little bit more time, even like, you know, this this interview that we're basically doing the editing's going to take longer uh than actually doing the actual uh interview uh sometimes so yeah yeah i, I can i can well imagine that sometimes when you when you've got a full international schedule going on as well as uh you know wanting to do like a podcast as well yeah I imagine it's going to take a lot of time for you guys. it does keep i mean this is this is even more fuel in the fire to 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 try again because it's just it's just a lot of fun if you're just generally having a having a laugh talking about hockey it's, it's good fun isn't it yeah. that's the thing it was like listening to it it was just like being at the side of the pitch chatting with your mates like listening to you i think you're tearing into league hockey club um about how much a pain of a bum it was to get there fun memories <laughs> um, yeah. like who's got the worst kit that sort of stuff like it's just very silly little conversations that you have but we all miss it because unfortunately we've all been robbed of a hockey for for a fair little while now and yeah for me it was a wonderful little um sort of escapism i guess and i think probably the same for a lot of people so fingers crossed you might be yeah. able to direct it. Yeah. bring it you know back boys bring it back what's yeah. what's what's really funny is that like all of our close friends mine and mine and brendan's we like because we went to university together they all know brendan properly and so there's a few episodes where they could tell he was holding back and you wouldn't <laughs> believe you wouldn't believe the abuse that i got because he was holding back <laughs> it's like, you've got to get more out of him where's the where's the actual brendan so yeah yeah i, I guess uh, yeah our aim was to basically make it feel like you got you were having a cup of tea with us or you were having a beer with us and kind of 
mate, that's that's plagiarism. You can't we can't get in on Emily DeFroyne's cup and a natter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll go there then. We'll go there. Um, yeah, I guess it was just kind of trying to point out that we're probably just as we're just normal people. Yeah, granted, international athletes and whatever, but we'll probably be having the same conversations as you guys. We're like, oh, do you remember when you went to Chess Rocking Club and had that bottomless pit of chips, beans, and sausages? Unbelievable. Like that kind of like what you actually talk about anyway. Yeah. Like conversation. That's what I, that's what I liked about it because it was it was basically putting you in 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 a in a, a more what can I say you know down to earth kind of people and not just international um, hockey uh, stars as you are you know <laughs> people you saw you as <laughs> yeah well you don't think you are a star but you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> But you know that that sort of thing it, it, made, it made you made you look more can I say human you know instead of being up there uh, like some people look up to you as obviously hockey stars as I do boys um, and it just it just made you a bit more uh, personable and, yeah. and showed that you were just like any other people out there really I guess just that, out yeah. there a good time I guess that goes back to what. Simon was saying at the start when he was asking about the question about the mental health and that side of thing is it's funny when you'd like if you go about it the right way so you go about it in a personable way you probably do get gold dust if you ask the right questions it's just you've got to be confident that you're asking the right questions and not when someone's guards up but when they're actually comfortable and they're relaxed and as we're doing here I'm to get out of it but when you go into an interview as you say when you've lost 2-1 in the last minute to God knows who and they ask you a question oh so how are you feeling about so and so, and you're like, mm, probably not gonna answer that right now because I'm I'm absolutely fuming. So I, think <laughs> quite, I think it's obviously it's it's picking the right times to do it as well. And unfortunately, I think it goes back to well, fortunately for the women, they have that platform again because people want to interview them because they've done well. Whereas, yeah, naturally we haven't done that well as a group in terms of results. So people probably don't come looking for us as much as what they would do with others. Mm. I think I've had that before now when I've asked a question at the end of a game when I've been doing interviews and, and you know, players have just gone, no, no, sorry, mate, just not going to answer that one. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Do you I mean, really the, want me to answer that? The other, the other thing is if you if you speak if you speak to them and if you ask the question, like the worst comes to worst, they say no. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, there's it's not the end of the world if they say no, but at least, you know, you've taken the opportunity to try. Oh, yeah, no, I t- totally understand that. Um um, so quick fire rounds or have you got yeah, another question? Yeah, no, no, I was going to say maybe we've kept you guys for a long time, so maybe we can wrap up with a few silly questions as well. <laughs> um, so I, I, who would you say is currently the best dancer in the squad? Reese. It's not even a thought, I don't think. Yeah, I agree with that one, boys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, oh, Phil, I'm scared. Phil's going to come in with something <laughs> else. <laughs> No, 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 no. I, 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 Reese, Reese is, Reese is definitely up there. I'll give him. George thinks he is, but he's. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I think he might back himself a bit from what I've seen. Ah, <laughs> uh, Reese, Reese has got rid. Yeah, George's antics in Antwerp were something to behold. Um, <laughs> uh, who would be the worst person to sit next to for a long trip, like on the airplane or or whatever? You really. Really, Brendan? I'm, I'm, I'm up there. I'm a fidgeter. Oh. 
I'm a real. It also, I also have only done it once because Creed and Roper are obviously a fair amount apart. I got unlucky once. I'd, I think we went to India and I woke up with Brendan having posted on Instagram a photo of me asleep. Um, <laughs> and I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous, man. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I've, I've, got to be, I've got to be up there. Also, again, George, because he's massive, I do. Sit, I sit next to him the majority of flights and it, the elbows are out. Oh, it's a terrible time. I don't really <laughs> I don't really have anybody near mine that's an issue. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say me. I'm probably the person. <laughs> uh, and who would you least want to get in a fight with out of the squad? Oh, that's, that's tough. Oh, <laughs> Anna Thurman's reaction was instantaneous. She knew exactly who she did. It's almost if she's thought about it before. <laughs> Gleggy's up there. I was going to say, Gleggy straight away hit the spot, but obviously he's out, so 42. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think who would fight dirty more than anything else. If it's easier, who would you like to fight in the spot? <laughs> Sam- Samford. No brainer for me. Well, I've got, I don't know if you've seen it, but I used to, I mean, when they roomed together, I've got about seven, uh, seven videos that I posted around of, of Brendan and Sandy just randomly wrestling at completely random times. Um, you've, never, you've never really been allowed to share rooms, but we somehow find each other's rooms and just start fighting. Um, I got a brilliant one of those. We were like playing our first game of the Euros 2017 the next day. And I just ran, they got out of the lifts and just started fighting. And I was like, this is ridiculous. They still both had stick bags on their on their backs and they were just fighting on the floor. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, who would I most like to fight? I'd, I'd, I'd love to punch Brennan's. <laughs> I, again, can't argue with that. I think that's fair. Um, that's, dead, that's dead serious. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. You're very, very serious face. Still. <laughs> You'd have a smile on what he's doing it though. That's the important bit. Oh God, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who would you? Well, I, I, well, okay. Who would you most like to see fight? Because that—that's a good one, isn't it? Because everyone can answer that. Oh, go on then. I think I would. I, I'm taking like almost like a WWF approach to this, of thinking like the land of giants. So I'm going with Brendan versus George. <laughs> oh, so if, if you could full on press him above your head. <laughs> I wouldn't put me in that fight. <laughs> <laughs> one that would make me laugh would be Griff versus Ansel. That would make me laugh. Yeah, because he could. Yeah, they... make me laugh. Or Willars versus Griff. That would make me laugh. That's the best one, I reckon. There you go. Willars, Griff. Okay. Who's, got it? who's got it? That'd be hilarious. I don't know who would win either. <laughs> I think Griff. <laughs> no, that's... Uh, and then uh, the, well, the last one we had hopefully you've been given some preparation time for this was uh, to have like if you could pick a five-a-side Roper team versus a five-a-side Creed team who would you pick based on people you've played with uh, for England and Great Britain <sighs> that's a great that's a great question I wonder if we'd have a same team do you want yeah, to take you... a minute just to scribble it down yeah go on then <laughs> oh, this is do you have to have a goalie in that? Up to you. Depends how much you back yourselves. <laughs> Go full flare. Or how much you back a keepers. Good from you, Phil. <laughs> uh, oh, that's tough. This is really not nice. Do we have to include ourselves in the team or can we be manager? Entirely up to you. Yeah, yeah if you can, you, you, if you want to be in the team, you can be in the team. I mean, if you want Su- to. Susie didn't include herself. I think Anna did. Yeah. And then 
Celine completely misunderstood the question because, to be fair, she speaks French. <laughs> <laughs> I'd put myself as a starting forward in mine, so. Um, this is this is not a difficult game if that's the starting. <laughs> <laughs> Phil's just crossing out the goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who else have I played for? That's a good question. No, just you being in England, mate. Was that it? Was yeah, it? if you try and pick it from England and GB. So we normally do your England and GB team versus the world, basically, like who you'd pick. So you, if you want, you can do that as well. That could end up taking you all night, I suspect. <laughs> okay, I've got I've got my five. I think mine's going to be pretty similar, but I'm not going to be in yours. <laughs> so do you want to take I turns? Think or Lewis, do you wanna, I think do you wanna... Lewis will be in yours. Oh, it's tough, that is. I, I'm going to guess have... ropes it. <laughs> That's not the game, but all right. I reckon I can guess it. Go on, then. Go on. Go on, oh, guess it. I've just realised I've got six players. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have a sub if you want. I might take myself out of that. Have you got Have you got it, Phil? Yeah, but I'm, I'm not I'm not happy with it, but yeah, all right. Yeah, go on, then. So Ropes has definitely got himself, Barry, and Ames. Shit, I've left Ames out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm making a late sub. <laughs> you sorry you weren't meant to have been warned about this in advance <laughs> sorry well we um, missed out on miss gold if we'd done that i've done a late trade i've i've got rid of lewis brought in ames northern irish for it should be allowed uh gibbo uh in goal um incredibly tough decision straight off the back but then i've got ames he's just gonna play as a as a defender just a defender um and then me barry and alder Oh, uh, and, and, and me and Barry are just the sole responsibility just to pass to Aldo and it's going to score. Um, and, and then we're not going to run back because Ames is just going to be the mop. I, I call him the mop. Just, just you can, you can you can tackle everyone. <laughs> My team is pretty, pretty similar. I've got Gibbo in there. Then I've got myself as deep, deep defender slash power forward. <laughs> then I've got Amesy, who's actually the real defender in the team. And I've got Barry and Ropes who are just going to run rings. So my aim is to basically hold up the ball for people. So I'll be like Emil Heskey, and then I'll have like a bit of Lampard and Gerrard running off me type thing. That's what I'm thinking. And then we've got actual Ugo Ekiog at the back, big old David Ames. He's just going to mock him up as well. They're such niche references. What you just <laughs> Ugo Ekiog? What's wrong you're with just, you? You're just disappointed you don't have my football knowledge, Phil. No. <laughs> Oh. oh, can brilliant. you choose one one super sub to come on for? Yeah, go on then, go on. If you I don't on. even I don't even like it because I don't even have one. I just wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> what, what other what other reference, Brendan? Uh, my sub would be uh, I'm with you. Would be Aldo straight straight for me after about thirty seconds, just so I get my get my thirty seconds and clear off like a testimonial in it. <laughs> yeah, probably I'd probably yeah. I mean it's a it's it's a it's a pretty good super sub, but I'd probably sub Ash in. For, for me or Barry sporadically and that's a nice it's a nice way to go I reckon Five, five's too small that's too hard a number to get <laughs> oh sure enough that's it what's your what's, have you got have you guys done your own five aside or are you just asking other people no we're just asking, just asking people, people. <laughs> oh yeah good, good play it safe I like it yeah yeah so then when we do the ultimate one at the end of the year <laughs> we've got an idea <laughs> <laughs> Oh, really? Um, okay, so uh, yeah, we've got any more questions, Simon, and or not? Um, did you want to do a world team, or is that going to be even more? 
We wouldn't uh, get too much. <laughs> Is that a world five-a-side team that you've yeah. played with? Played, played, played against. against. That you, oh. you play against. Jesus. Susie <laughs> and, and she almost wanted to pick a deliberately crap team to make it easy for her, for the petty five to win. Oh. I'd love to put... I was just thinking you put together a, a world a, a world five-a-side team that you've played with. Brent, you'd have a good team. You best I mate. With, yeah, he'd definitely be in it, but I haven't played with that many. That's probably going to be a difficult one anyway. No, just oh well, I was more thinking, Brendan. I've I've got I would have a great one. I was already thinking I've already got my team. Go on then. Well, I'd have I play with Blake Govers for Wimbledon. Yeah, I play fair. I, I play with uh, Steve Janess from New Zealand. Um, yeah, out, out there. Jesus. So I've got two good forwards, I reckon, straight yeah. off the back. Right, so you um, ain't defending at all then. <laughs> no, I'm going with. Well, yeah, good point. I'm not defending, am I? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> There's a guy called Steve Ebers who used to play for Wimbledon. He's a Dutch wizard. He was unbelievable. Yeah. Borja Lorenz, who was uh, our Spaniard, our resident Spaniard, when we had our run to the AHL Final Four in for Wimbledon. Again, absolute. He's got. He had the Spanish grit. I just don't have a keeper. Fair. Play, play with five. Play with five outfielders. Brent, I, I can choose your team for you. <laughs> what do you mean you can choose my team for me? You got Halka Corper straight off the back. Yeah, I'd have Hazun in there. There you go. The problem is, is I'm real defensive there. <laughs> oh, this would be tough. Toby, Maybe. Toby Volta, come on, I'm doing it for you. Yeah, but I don't know if I'd have him. Who I else is have, there? Do you know what? I'd have Goodies in there. He's not foreign, you knob. <laughs> yeah, but I played with him in a foreign club. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. Uh, then I'll have Nick Spooner. I'll have Nick Spoons in there. Sorry, we've just completely taken over. This is the second series of Let's Get Together. <laughs> 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 Welcome to the podcast within a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realise we were going full inception. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna stop talking. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> oh. did we finalise it? Then did we finalise it? Uh, we'll leave it there. All right. What are you picking for? You can win with four. That's brilliant. Oh, I don't need a fifth. Don't need it. Not worth it. Arrogant. Brilliant. Oh, well. Well, on that note then, boys, (laughs) thank you for uh, joining us for this uh, special. Um, I don't think I've got any more questions. Has anybody else got any more questions? No, thank you very much from me for for speaking so candidly earlier. And then... uh... As it's as it's gone on, it's just become oodles and oodles of fun. So thank you very much. Okay. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. yeah, pleasure. Thanks a lot.